0: How are you doing, everybody? It's AJ Torres of Colin Strikes, courtesy of Undrafted Sports. And the topic today, I've done a little bit of research, and this is about one of my favorite baseball movies. There's a good amount of them. But this is Moneyball. And to be simply put, was this accurate? Was this good? Was it bad? I mean, the jury's still out for some people. There's a lot of baseball anchors that say that it was not accurate. Some people couldn't stand it. Some people think it was just a Hollywood stunt. But if we go by the statistics here, and if we look at the numbers, let's reveal. Now, one of the quotes in there is Brad Pitt, who plays as Billy Bean. He goes, here's the rich teams, the poor teams. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us at the bottom. That part is actually not true. If we go by the payroll, the top one is the New York Yankees of just about 126 million dollars, and if we go by over the 100 million mark, we have the Yankees, Red Sox, Rangers because of A. Rod, and Arizona in that order. But if we go by, let's just go 50 and under, okay, for payroll. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten about 10 teams. And they're not the lowest either. They're the third lowest. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Montreal Expos didn't do well for payroll. Some people are going by attendance. Well, there's actually attendance here too. If we go by attendance per game. So if we go by average attendance, the Oakland A's were 8th, 18th, I'm sorry, 18th in Attendance per game average. If we go by yearly difference, it's an increase of 449. Unfortunately, the Milwaukee Brewers had negative 10,000 plus. Ouch. But as far as the yearly difference in the green, only one of seven teams and one of them, yeah, it's the Oakland A's. So there's some going off about the acquisitions, uh, the people that left in free agency, and then the players that were, quote unquote, acquired. So let's clear this up. The first name he goes is, wait, he goes, Jason's brother, Jeremy Giambi. So Jason Giambi was in MVP and left in free agency to join the New York Yankees. Now, the two others that left in free agency were Johnny Damon, starting center fielder, and closer Jason Israelsen. If we go by the 2001 numbers of Jeremy Giambi, by the way, he was already an Oakland Athletic at this time, not like how it was portrayed in the film. He started becoming an Oakland Athletic in 2000, and in 2001, in 124 games, he batted 283, but with an on base of 391. His time as an Oakland A. Now, I'm not sure exactly what happened. The movie portrayed that it was he wasn't doing enough. But how about we go off of this? Okay. So his total 2002 season is 124 games, but in 42 games as an Oakland Athletic, We have a bad average of 274 and on-base percentage of 390. And if we go to him being traded to the Phillies, he plays 82 games, bad average of 244, on-base percentage of 435. So average goes down, on-base goes up. But if we go by the difference, here's the thing that bothers me. He had 38 hits as a Philly and 43 hits as an Oakland A, a 40-game difference. It sounds like it was a good idea to pass up on Jeremy Giambi. And if you want to go by next year when he signs with the Boston Red Sox, he plays in 50 games. He bats 197 with an on-base of 342. Which, if you look at that, you'll take that. That's just how that goes. And then he's out of the league. He doesn't play for an arm major league baseball team in 2004. His last season's in 2003, and he's only 28 years old. So, the other one goes by David Justice. Let me pull this up right here. Yes, they'll let me. So the big thing was with David Justice is that the boss George Steinbrenner they want to get rid of him. So what we have and mind you this is David Justice's last year as a pro ball player. Now he did hit 266 with an on base of 376. Now the fact that there's this high on base percentage thing and also very good for David Justice because this was 118 games hard and six hits. I mean, it's not terrible. But the one thing is that we talked about is walks. Take your walks. Look for the right pitches. Which is good and is part of the game. Because he's got 60 walks versus 66 strikeouts. And if we go the year before, he's got 54 walks and 83 strikeouts. That's a good turnaround right there. Whatever system was in place, it seemed to be done pretty well. As far as the payroll concern is, though, and we've mentioned that they're the third lowest in Major League Baseball, not the lowest. The David Justice contract is the second highest on the team. And if the New York Yankees aren't paying half the salary, he is the third highest on the team. Jermaine Dye was a player going through the arbitrary system. He has just under $7.2 million and has the most expensive contract on that team. If we're going by the other acquisitions, there's one more that was stated in the movie, and that is Scott Hatterberg. Now, this one actually need to be talked about because he was into, uh, let's see, he played first base, Uh, for 91 games, DH for 42 games, and for being paid 900 grand, which a lot of guys weren't paid in the millions, a lot of them were paid in a few hundred thousand dollar category. So he's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, come on, computer, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, 11th guy in payroll, 900 grand. He has a war of 3.3. And if we do bring up Scott Hatterberg, as far as what he does during that season, and he was a catcher converted to first base. So they're like, okay, let's teach you the position. The fact that there's this thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I need Hatterberg on first base. Okay, but he's not playing first base. The timeline, it doesn't really say so in the movie, but was definitely. Early on. But Scott Habberg did finish the year with a 280 average and an on-base of 374. There's always that big gap during this team of getting on-base. They were very careful, and they had a good approach on things, to be clearly said. As far as the pitching, it was not really mentioned. Outside guys like Chad Bradford, and the reason why some people are like, okay, the guy throws weird. That's why no one likes them. Well, Chad Bradford actually revolutionized the relief pitcher position because the submarine arm pitcher is one of those pitchers, because of the arm angle, can throw to lefty and righty pitching. Something that was, it's been phased out in recent time, but there's been a lot of lefty and righty specialists, especially before the three batter rule, which was just recently put in by Major League Baseball. So he has a positive war of 1.6. And through there, we kind of go down the line with the pitching. We have a Cy Young in Barry Zito, and he's on the low end of the spectrum. The guys that are on this roster that don't have their salary shown were basically on minor league deals, and they probably got a a game day bonus for being on there because the lowest payroll I see is the rookie of Carlos Pena, $202,000. The fourth lowest that's shown is Barry Zito at just our 300 grand. So that's a Cy Young award winner. And then we have Tim Hudson, the ace of that staff and Mark Mulder. Those guys were dominant pitchers. If you look at this team, they are young they drafted well and they had a different approach compared to other guys that was just simply put it was made to seem like it was this mastermind scheme now granted did it change the game absolutely the reason i say that is because there's not a lot of teams that are allowed to bunt anymore There are some teams that do not allow base stealing anymore. If you look at some of the analytical teams, some of them are saying like, hey, if that is a 50-50 chance of you getting out, guess what? You're not stealing the base. Or you know what? A bunt isn't out. Why am I going to do that? National League, it's different. But this is the American League with the DH. Was that ahead of its time? I don't really know about that because, to me, it just always just seemed to be a manager uh, decision. New school, old school. I mean, the game has changed within the last 10 years. It's very hard to say. I mean, right now in 2021, we have one of the biggest paid superstars that wore a jersey jersey over a hoodie and played ball with it. You do that for a high school team, you're going to be running laps around the field until the cows come home because that wasn't allowed because of old uniform policies let's be real and everybody knows what i'm talking about so if we go by the statistics and how everything's been put in place uh there is certain things that are true about it there are some things that maybe aren't exactly true uh, with scott hatterberg the guy was he the guy to make a a big show about i mean he did contribute but so hard to tell with uh, a game like this i mean there's so many guys that are on a roster in major league baseball and then there's the guys that are in the farm system everything like that i mean it takes for a championship team it's going to take about 35 players every single year as far as was this team very good yes did they change the game yes Are they overhyped? My answer is no. Is everything accurate? I would lean towards it's not very accurate. There's a lot of things that uh, I think are a little bit stretched, if that makes any sense. The truth is a little bit stretched. Might be a little overly dramatized. And I'm not going into the personal life of some of these people. Either I'm just going what I see statistically. But either way, Moneyball is a good tale, a good story. And right after it was shown, well, baseball really changed forever. Good and bad. So if you haven't watched Moneyball, I recommend you go see it and see how it goes. And for anyone that disagrees on this topic, let's talk about it. I am always in the comment sections. Everybody, take it easy. Tell you you love And take it easy. Take care.